happening? Hi! Hey! Humans or aliens, I've said I don't care about either. Uh, <laughs> hey, I care well, about both. I, I, okay, that's, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I'm fine. Welcome back to Bloody Babbles Podcast. Boop, 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 boop. that we have like a slight pause so I'm like okay intro sound here um I hope everybody's doing um pretty great I mean you know 2021 has started off with the bang yeah and then some <laughs> uh, like everyone keeps posting it's it, and it only took 2021 six days to say hold my beer 2020 yeah <laughs> so um I don't have really any crazy updates um we don't have any new states no new countries right now, so, but, um, doesn't matter because you're here, and I love you, and I want to smooch your faces without a mask. There you go. Do it. But only because we know we're COVID-free. Yep. 100%. <laughs> because we don't want to spread anything, no. Other than love. Getting, we just want to spread the love. Yes. <laughs> Getting vaccinated when, when it's, you know, time time allows. <laughs> Fan, yeah, absolutely, yes. Y- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I almost said fantastic, and I'm like, that wasn't the right fantastic loosely. It's fine. Let's just go. This is What's happening? The, the, Why are we doing this podcast? Murder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We're killing it! Did you see Oh, my God. All right. Um, Sorry if the sound is, is a little wonky. Um, Like... We got these uh, mics from the person I got my laptop from, which I'm really appreciative for, because he's just like, here, just take them. But I think I'm going to end up have to have to talk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to do that. I'm a, I don't have anything to drink. Um, I've actually been not... I don't dislike Dr. Pepper Cream Soda, because I don't think I ever could, because it's like basically half my bloodline. Yes. But here lately, um, baby Babylonian that's inside of me, in case yeah. you forgot, I'm, I'm birthing a human in August... Um, <laughs> so she's brewing a human. In the I'm meantime. brewing a human, and <laughs> I keep saying she in hopes that it's a girl. But if it's a boy, cool too. What else? But uh, we really, we're really hoping for a girl because I only have two nieces, and another girl is needed. But anyways, I, she is a huge fan of Sunny D, which I know Shauna absolutely is not a fan of, it's which right. is fine. It's just me. I'm not. I'm not brewing in your belly. Nope. <laughs> but I'm gonna sit on the floor closer to the mic and see if that helps. And honestly, this couch is not really feeling it from my back. But, um, I got pretty, or, yeah, yeah, so, whoop, there goes my microphone. You didn't get pretty, you've always been pretty. <laughs> pretty and pregnant, hey <laughs> No, I'm feeling good, um, been super nauseous, so that's been kind of not fun, and that's very different from my son. I was only sick with him four times, and it was at midnight, I got midnight sickness with him. This baby, every day is a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've eaten a lot of weird things, um. Sour cream has been a big thing, and I think wow. that's really weird. Like I've I want to eat. I've got a whole container at my house if you want. I it. have like two in the fridge. Oh, okay, well. a lot. <laughs> um, but my friend before I um, got pregnant, like she showed me Doritos and sour cream, which is that's not yeah. super abnormal. Right. But oh my god, the first day I ate this, I was like, this is heaven. Okay. And then I had I had shrimp Alfredo tonight because I know I have to be careful with careful careful with the fish. Mm-hmm. God bless it. 
But um, I really wanted it, and I had it, and I ate it, and it was good. And now I'm like, I don't know if I really liked it that much, or the baby didn't. It's uh, very demanding at eight weeks. <laughs> well, by the time this comes out, it'll be I'll, I'll be nine weeks the next day. But so yes, um, so send them girl baby vibes, uh, or help you know as long as it's healthy, that's fine too. Um, but now to not so fun things because that's not what we're here for. Um, so uh, I've been getting better about like when people are requesting cases from us because there's been a bunch, which is really kind of crazy and exciting. Yes. And I'm like, huh, people yeah. care what we have to say. Love it. Love I don't it. give a shit about your one star on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> You're still here. I want to sit on the floor too. It's kind of weirdly comfortable. I'm like, I'm kind of jiving with it. Like I'm this is soon. Wrap my legs around this oddly though. She's gonna. Yeah. She's gonna like molest the table. Oh my god, I totally. <laughs> Wow. I thought about it, but I'm like, mm, no, I tr came here straight from work because my child was having a meltdown, but, um, and then he fell asleep. So anyways, um, the, so for this case, um, Nate, I put on in the notes, he's my homie from Twitter. I go, Nate is basically half owner of our podcast by now. This episode is brought to you by Nate, the realest bro. <laughs> the letter N. The letter Nate. N, <laughs> Nate. So once again, and he always says thank you on our uh, Twitter. Like he's We like, love you and appreciate you so much, Nate. Nate, you're the freaking, you're the bee's knees, my dude. Absolutely. And I, will, and I told him, like, I'll probably mention you every episode, even when you're not the one who suggested it, because I just love you so much. I'm going to make up a song about you, Nate, and Nate we'll sing or it. Potato. Oh, I love it. <laughs> He's probably like, it's been told in my whole life I hate it. I'll be like, well, don't hate it. Nate it. Ayo. <laughs> Nate is um, great. Nate is the best. Gonna make him some chocolate cake. Oh, mm. <laughs> you know what? I really want chocolate pie. Ooh. That's been one, like chocolate pudding pie. Uh, That's so easy to make. Oh, really, you don't make it. You just buy chocolate pudding and get graham cracker crust. And, and I have two of there. those in my, in my thing. Fucking do it. I'm gonna do it after I make the pudding cold because warm pudding is gross yeah so anyways i was just thinking like putting in the little container and just yeah. loop it on in there sloop it yeah sloop it sloop it real good okay but this yeah this is another nate episode there's several of them <laughs> and this one's gonna be not quite so short hey -o! i got a lot of notes on this lady because he's like he's i don't know if he's really into like women killers, I'm kind of digging it, because mm -hmm. that's not common. Mm -hmm. I just listened to one on uh, Mormon. You wouldn't know that with their podcast, I but, know. but yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, that's not just, like, typical cases. Like, they're just, I don't know. But anyways, here we go. We're going to talk about Deborah Green today, okay. which green is my favorite color. hey -o. hey -o. Okay, so she was the second of two daughters. She Her parents were Joan and Bob Jones. Joan and Bob Jones of Havana, Illinois. And I will say Illinois, right? Because my mommy is from there. Not Havana, but yeah. Anyways, um, she showed early intellectual promise, and she was reported to have taught herself to read and write before she was three years old. Oh, wow, that's like you. <laughs> I, was, I was a fairly intelligent child. <laughs> I could dress myself by the time I was one. I was potty trained by the time I was one and a half. I, and now I'm you like... Taught yourself how to write. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when I my very first word. Um, if you haven't listened previously, we have an episode on the Titanic because I am a huge fan. Yes. The biggest Titanic fan. I'm sure there may be bigger fans than me, but I really don't know. She's pretty obsessed. And if they want to be my friends, let's be friends because I freaking love the Titanic. The well, the history of it, the movie of it, all of it, 
everything. All of it. All of it. <laughs> I even have a tattoo of the quote from the movie on my foot. But, um, yeah, um, getting ready for kindergarten, I had a chalkboard that had the alphabet across the top of it. And I put the Titanic movie beside me. I would trace the letter and then I'd write it on my chalkboard. Trace the letter on the box of the movie because I had the box set because I come from a time where VHS tapes were a thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we always talk about, oh, Carol, you're, you're so young. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not that young. <laughs> but she is. But I am. I have the mind of a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, so I taught myself how to write Titanic. I showed my kindergarten teachers and they were quite impressed. But I was not three. I may have been maybe five. Five, getting ready to turn six, because the movie came out when I was five. But anyways, irrelevant to this murder case. Um, <laughs> no, it's, so, it's relevant. She was smart. Yeah, <laughs> she's smart. Okay, but she, uh, Deborah, participated in school activities at the two of the high schools she attended and was a National Merit Scholar and co-valedictorian of her high school's class. Can't relate. I was number 27 of 33 out of my class because I stopped caring in high school. <laughs> I was even numbered. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> so those who knew her at the time later described her as fitting right in and someone who was going to be successful. So she goes on to attend the University of Illinois in the fall of 1969. Oh, um, I don't know why I said that. Sixty-nine. <laughs> where she took a major in chemistry, which I mean, hmm. chemistry. You got freaking smart. I, chemistry was not a class I did well in. Um, she intended to pursue chemical engineering as a career, which, wow. badass for you, woman. I like you right now, but I'm sure I'm going to end up hating you. Yep. Um, she Spoiler! <laughs> We're not here to talk about cookies and rainbows. So she um, opted to then attend metals, medical school after graduating in 1972, and then um, believing the market was flooded with ev engineers. Eveneers, I'm fine. Um, so this is where it got kind of cool because she ends up t attending the University of Kansas no. School of Medicine in 1972 to her graduation in 1975. You guys don't remember? We're in Kansas. We actually got a really cool review from a guy on Apple Podcasts, and I liked what he said, and I'll have to look it up after I'm done, but it was really cool, and I liked how he worded it, and it made me feel good. Shout out to guy who gave us a cool review. He's got, um, he's got a... He talks about anime and like not so known anime podcasts. I'll have to look. It's like Shonen Flop. I'll have to hey, double check that Mr. out. Flop. <laughs> Mr. We love you. Flop. Because I'm a flop of the human sometimes. <laughs> no. No, I'm just going to get round. It's fine. So, back to Miss Green here. She chose emergency medicine as her specialty and took a residency in the Truman Medical Center emergency room after her graduation from med school. So, she got. Her undergraduate and medical school attendance, um, she ends up dating this guy named Dwayne M.J. Green, an engineer. Ha! That's funny, because that's what she wanted to do. Hmm. So they were married while she was still studying at KU, or University of Kansas. The couple lived in Independence, Missouri, and she finished her residency, but by 1978, they had already separated and divorced. Um, oh. It was just said that there was incompa incompatibility for the reason of or as to the reason for divorce. She just said we had no common interest. She later was quoted saying, but the divorce was friendly. So I'm like, well, at least it didn't end ugly. But I'm like, how do you have nothing in common when you when wanted you to be an wanted to be engineers? Come like on. that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Get it together. Um, Talk about engineering. Like hello. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, it's probably better for him. Just gonna assume that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, during the period when they were separated, she ends up meeting this guy named Michael Myers. 
<laughs> Ferrer. Ferrer? Okay. Ferrer? All right. Ferrer. Um, a student in his 20s, completing mm. his last year of medical school. She was struck by his, or he was struck by her intelligence and vitality, and was, in, but though he was embarrassed of her, um, oh my God, Nicole, get it together. Embarrassed of her habit of explosively losing her temper at, like, the minor, like, the most minor inconvenience. I'm fine. <laughs> in, in contrast, she felt that he was stable and had a dependable presence. So, they were uh, not quite as uh, cordial as her and her ex-husband. So, they were then married on May 26, 1979, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um so he ends up getting accepted for an internal medicine re- residency at the University of Cincinnati. Ew. So they moved to Ohio. So she goes into practice at the Jewish hospital as an emergency physician, but grew dissatisfied, and she then switched. She began a second residency in internal medicine, joining um, her now husband's uh, program. I'm fine. I know the words are right there, and I can see it above my eyes. I'm actually going to the eye doctor. I made an appointment finally, guys. Good it job. only took me till 2021 to do it. I need to do it, too. Yeah. I did it. I called him, and I called the doctor's office so I can go see a doctor for what when I... you? I know. I she, you just don't understand. She may be young, but guys, she's growing up. <laughs> finally can call a doctor and make my own appointments. I hate... That's the biggest... I have phone anxiety so bad. If it's not someone I know, I don't like calling people. I over... Okay, that time. I will overthink it, too. I will will get in my head, and then then once I do it, I'm like, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Why did I flip the fuck out and, like, take three days or three weeks or whatever? Or three years. You know, because that's the last time I saw a doctor, because that's when I was pregnant. Actually, four years ago, at this time, I was very huge, because my my son turns four next Sunday. (laughs) It's my nephew gonna be four. Four. Um, fine. So Ferrer, back to this, admitted yeah. that the marriage was never ideal. Shocking. Hmm. Um, he later said that neither one of them expressed love to each other in even at the early stages of their marriage. So why did they get married? I don't know. Um, he, he recounted that Green seemed to lack the coping skills most adults bring to bear in challenging times. When she was in a rage, she sometimes harmed herself or broke things, mm. but rarely and rarely gave any thoughts to whether she was in private or public during these episodes. So by the early 90s, because they got married in 1979, um, he worked long hours away from home just to avoid being around her, and she um, just stayed as, you know, being a homemaker and doing her own thing. So when they fought, Green responded by treating the children. Oh, they, okay. Wow, we just bring children into this? They didn't even say that in the notes! Okay, it's fine. I don't know how many children they have, I'm so sorry. Can you pause it and maybe um, we can find out? Maybe? Hold on a hot second here. Let's see how many kids they have. Pause. Okay, I found it. Hey! <laughs> so they ended up having three children. Uh, Timothy, Kate, and Kelly. Uh, Timothy was born January 20th, 1982. Two years later, Kate was born, um, so that'll be 1984, and their third child, uh, Kelly, was born December 13th, 1988. Okay. So, that's where they come into the picture. Um, apparently that part didn't make it into my notes somehow, but I did these notes a while back, so I apologize. Ain't no thing, we figured it but out. But we figured it out, and we fixed it, and I've got notes beside my notes now, so if I have other holes, I can fill them in. So, um, when they fought, Green responded by treating the children, especially Tim, who is the oldest, 
um, as small adults and telling them about what their father had done wrong. Swayed by their mother's opinions of their father, the kids began to resent him and disobey him to the point where Tim and his father um, had physical altercations. Oh, so, now we're in January of 1940, 1944. <laughs> we're coming way back in time. <laughs> God bless it. 1994, I was almost two years old. I was. 94? Mm-hmm. 13? Mm-hmm. Depends. Unless it was in December. It was January of 1944. 1944. Yeah, I'm sticking with that. Because I can't stop <laughs> saying 1944. <laughs> God bless it. So he asked her for a divorce. And she, although she believed he was um, having affairs outside the marriage, she later claimed to have been taken by surprise by his desire to end the marriage. Mm-hmm. And responded by, to his asking for a divorce explosively, shouting and throwing things. Because that's what she does. So she moves out of the fam- or he moves out of the family home though the two remained in contact and informally shared custody of the kids um, pressure of living together with the pressure of living together mo- remo- uh, removed they attempted reconciliation and decided that a larger house would ease some of the disorganization that had affected their marriage I mean like five well, people making at- good money too yeah though, I was so. like yeah it's like um, so in May after four months of separation they put in a bid on a six bedroom house in Prairie Village Kansas <gasps> I don't, I I don't know where Prairie Village. I don't know the distance from us. Is. House for sale. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to visit it, but backed out of the sale. But backed out when the sale went through. So Ferris said that he backed down in the face of his ongoing worries about the state of his marriage and the couple's debt load. So apparently their money wasn't that great. Okay. They just so didn't know how to. So after the home purchase fell through, the couple's Missouri home caught fire while the family was out. So shish kebabs. Yeah. Insurance investigators later determined the fire was caused by an electrical short in a power cord, which, I mean, that's not uncommon. Though the house was repairable, the couple's home insurance paid out on the damage and lost property. The couple decided to move on. Green and the children moved into the apartment in which Farrah had been living during the separation while the purchase of the Prairie Village and Prairie Village home was renegotiated. I'm fine. <sighs> I think I need a shirt of me holding my hand like this saying I'm fine. I need that because I say that a lot. <laughs> um, so they put extra effort into avoiding the issues that had caused a strife before their separation. Despite, despite, I'm trying to read words together now. Despite being an <laughs> indifferent cook and housekeeper, um, Deborah tried to focus on cooking and keeping the house cleaner while Farrah vowed to curtail his work hours so that he could spend more time with the family instead of working long hours to avoid his wife. So, um, the improvements lasted only months. However, by the end of 94, they had fallen back to their old habits and their marriage was floundering. Fearful of another confrontation and looking forward to a trip to Peru the family had planned for June of 95, Farrah nevertheless decided that to wait until after the trip to raise the issue of divorce again. So they're like, oh, maybe we'll go on this trip and maybe that'll help. Maybe if we just keep ignoring our problems and not talking about them and discussing and getting a counselor, it'll just go away. Yep, because that Cause solves that works. our problems. So anyways, um, so they go to Peru in June of 1985. Maybe <laughs> we'll get we'll Peru. It'll be fine. I was like, yep. maybe Peru. Do we need some Peruvian listeners now? <laughs> oh, what a genius. Um, anyways. Sorry. Um, sponsored by the Pembroke Hill School, um, Fair met and befriended Margaret Hacker on this trip, whose children also attended the school. So that's how they went on this trip. Was it was funded by a school? Hacker was a re- <laughs> such a fun last name. Um, Hacker was a registered nurse married to an anesthesiologist. Oh. Money. Um, Money. But was also an, uh, unhappy in her marriage because of course she would be. 
So the, the surprise, surprise. Guys, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Can you guess? Are you screaming at the podcast? To just... She becomes a Susie homemaker and has more children and everybody loves it and everything is great. No, the two begin an affair shortly after both families return from Peru. Because that's what's going to happen. Everybody's like, oh my God, Nicole, just shut up and tell the story. And, they and like it, that you gave them the guessing game. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so in late July, Ferrer again asked Green for a divorce. She responds hysterically and told the children that their father was leaving them. What a fucking bitch. I'm sorry. Mm. You're Are just, you? No, I'm not. Need to be sorry. I'm not. <sighs> Don't fucking do right? that to your babies. Like, right? Green was especially upset that a broken home might later disqualify the children from debutante events such as Bells of the American <laughs> oh, Royal. Oh my god. Gosh, are these people white? I told yes. Of she's gross. She's. Are. I looked at her picture when I looked Ew. up the kids' names, and she's just not a attractive woman. I don't. No, I don't get it. I don't know how you put your penis in her three times, sir, but you did. At so, least, yeah. <laughs> despite mm-hmm. the impending mm-hmm. divorce. Farah initially declined to move out of the family home. He was concerned that Green, who had never been a heavy drinker of alcohol, was suddenly consuming large quantities <laughs> of it while supervising her kids. Also note, I'm white, but sometimes I'm just not a proud white person by any stretch of the imagination. This whole white empowerment or whatever, that yeah. we're better and we deserve this, that are fuck White privilege, because that word's been thrown around quite a bit. Ugh, just get over yourselves, white people. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, if you haven't met us, we are ultra-white. Yeah. I mean, I granted, Shauna stands really well. <laughs> I used to, but now I'm like afraid of the sun, so I just don't go outside, <laughs> which is unfortunate because my son's mixed and he's got the most beautiful skin, and he's like, I want to go outside, and I'm like, and no. eyelashes. Oh. Ugh. Okay. I'm kidding. Stupid, beautiful, naturally curly eyelashes. Okay, rounded back. Moving right along. <laughs> Though Green continued her routine of ferrying the children to after-school activities, she'd spend her nights home drinking. Sometimes to the point of unconsciousness, nearly, oh, weird. and nearly always until she lost what inhibition she had left about her language in front of the kids. Oops. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't obviously drink now, and I stopped drinking even before I knew I was pregnant, but, um, yeah, my son knows more cuss words than I would like to, uh, announce. So. So, well, go ahead and cut that out. No, <laughs> they're going to just leave it there, because I was like, I can't even blame it on alcohol for what my kid knows. <laughs> But he well, does also, know. if anybody, well, you guys don't, but, you know, my husband, it's just, I, I, I watch my nephew quite often, and there ain't no censoring anything. There's no censoring when it comes But he'll tell you, though. He knows. He'll be like, oh, that's naughty. He you will. See, yes, naughty word. Mm-hmm. You don't say that. <laughs> but then, it, or when he. And then he'll spank Uncle's butt. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> or he'll pull his pants down and spank his bare ass. I'm like, can you not? Now, that was a fun picture I got at work one day. I was like, he. And that doesn't happen to Arlo, so where he learned that, I don't know. But... <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, uh, I pitch his cute little butt cheeks because they're the cutest. Okay, now that we're, you know, talking about kids with butt cheeks. Um, anyway. It's your kid. It's not kids in general. It's yeah, it's my fine. son has the cutest butt. He's got his mom's butt. Poor kid. High butt crack syndrome. Nate Crack! Yep, that's me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so on one occasion, Fair um, was called home from work by the kids who found their mom unresponsive. So Green had disappeared from the home by the time he arrives, and though he eventually discovered that she'd been hiding in the basement while he searched for her, she claimed that at the time to have been wandering the town hoping to be hit by a car. Oh, that's kind of sad. Maybe not. Probably not. He ends up moving the fam- out of the family home in early autumn to concerns about his personal safety. Take your fucking kids! Alright, All right, I'm fine. So, now we're on October yeah, so 20th. So, she's obviously completely mentally unstable. Yeah. He's seeing this. 
the way she, I mean, I, we all have our moments where we can get mad and angry. Yeah. You know, hopefully we're not throwing things. And, but, I mean, sometimes there's heated moments where, but if they're few and far between, that's one thing. But it sounds like it's not that few and far between with this lady. So, point being is that this dude, her husband, seeing the way this lady's acting and seeing the way that this lady is, is trying to get her children to, to believe that their father... Is this monster? Right, this terrible, terrible person, like causing uh, literal altercations between him and his oldest son. Nineties, though, fuck, like yeah. that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's still, I, uh, my uh, thoughts are work a little bit harder, but I don't know how hard he did or didn't work to make sure that his children were okay. We'll find out. Let's keep going with the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so because we don't even know, she hasn't even murdered a new one yet. So yeah. So on October twenty fourth, like you said, um, that's a good date for me in my life. Ha ha! My first divorce date. Anyways, this is a fucking toenail that I just found on the ground. <laughs> okay, Zavery. Ew! That's a giant toenail. Zavery always finds toenails in your parents' house. That's a nice date. At least I know it's my family. I fucking it's hope true. So. It's probably one of so, one of your um, early morning. Michael, his name is, it was like, I keep saying fair. I'm like, I forgot what his first name was. I had to go back and look. Mm-hmm. Um, receives a phone call at his apartment from a neighbor who shouted that his house, meaning the fair greenhouse, home in Prairie Village, village on, fire. Mm-hmm, on fire. He gets there immediately. A 911 call had been placed from the house at 1220 a.m., alerted police dispatchers to possible trouble, though the caller did not speak before hanging up. Did not speak before hanging up. Okay. So, a police cruiser found the house on fire. The trucks were di- fire trucks were dispatched at 1227. That's pretty impressive timing. 911 calls at 1220 and the trucks were dispatched well, at 1227. Yeah. I don't know. To what classed as a two-alarm fire, the firefighters on the scene reported that Green and her 10-year-old daughter, Kate, were safely outside the house by the time they arrived. Um, both were in their night clothes. Kate begged firefighters to help her brother and sister, who um, there was 6-year-old Kelly and 13-year-old Tim who were still inside. Mm. Green stood next to her daughter and was reported to have been very cool and very calm. So, um, at least the two firefighter, at least two firefighters attempted to search inside the home for the missing children, but the building was so confu- consumed by flames mm. that they could only ac- access a small portion of ground level before the structure became unsafe. Oh my gosh. So, by the time the fire was under control, the house was totally destroyed, leaving behind only the garage and some stonework. The fire had been had spread rapidly, and although high winds contributed to the intensity, authorities deemed the speed with which the house had become fully uh, involved suspicious enough to bring in an arson investigator. The uh, the bodies of Tim and Kelly were not recovered until the following morning. Oh my gosh! So that explains why our two children were listed as deceased. When the house had cooled enough to permit safe searching, Kelly had perished in her bed, most likely of smoke inhalation. Tim's body was found on the ground floor near the kitchen. Investigators at first assumed he had died trying to escape, but later determined that he perished in or near his bedroom, most likely of smoke inhalation and heat, and his body fell through the burning floor to where it was discovered. Just in case you beautiful babies. Fire's always been like something I've just... Burning alive is just one thing. Mm. Burning and drowning. Like, ugh. So... Surviving members of the family were taken from the fire scene to police headquarters for questioning. Um, detectives were sent to the home to begin an investigation. Um, local Prairie Village detectives sep- separated Green, Michael, and their daughter, who was accompanied by um, 
Michael's parents, so her grandparents, and began to question Deborah. So it was a middle daughter. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she... What did I just say? Um, she was 10, so she had a younger sister who was okay. 6, and then her older brother was 13. So, oh gosh, oh. to be 10 years old and just lose your, your best friends at that point? Mm. Oof, my heart. I'm shaking. It's fine. But I'm also kind of cold. Um, according to the video <laughs> of the police interview, we laugh because we're uncomfortable people. Mm -hmm. um, police interview, Green reported that the family had a normal day before the fire. Children went to school, performed their chores before going to various after-school activities. Kate went to her dance class. Tim went to a hockey game. Um, Michael had taken Tim and Kelly to the hockey game while Green took Kate to her ballet lessons. Oh, there's a ballet dancer too. Um, the family regrouped around 9 p.m. when Tim and Kelly were dropped off back at the Prairie Village house for dinner. Oh, Kelly dinner. Tim, Kelly, and Kate, and Kate, and Tim, and Kelly. Woo! So, Green told police that she had one or two drinks after dinner and went to her bedroom, leaving it only, only to speak to Tim in the kitchen sometime between 10 and 11 in the evening, shortly before he went to bed. Kelly and Kate had gone to bed earlier, each taking one of the family's two dogs with them. Oh. Oh babies. That hit me in the gut. Um, okay, I'm fine. Green said that she had fallen asleep around 11.30. At some point before falling asleep, she recalled she had spoken to Michael, who she had phoned asking which member of the household had paged him. Um, okay, he called. Sorry, I misread that. So he called the house and she wanted to know which one of the kids obviously paged his pager. To yeah, because this is the 90s, we had pagers. Okay. Yeah, I don't, if you don't know you what don't a pager know is, is, look it up. Look up I'll add a picture of a pager. The, the, Make a note to do the that. Instagram post. Oh my gosh. She told police that she and Fair were in the process of divorce and she didn't know how far along though she didn't know how far along they were and that although the children were upset at the prospect of it, she herself was not and was looking forward to being able to be real, rebuild her life. Well that's well, not well. what happened. So, um she wakes up around midnight by the sound of the home's built in fire alarm system, thank God. I mean in a way, thank mm -hmm. God. She initially assumed the sound was a false alarm caused by the dogs triggering triggering the burglar alarm, but when she tried to shut off the alarm at the control panel in her bedroom, it continued sounding, so she opens her bedroom door and finds smoke in the hallway. The house, um, She exited the house using a deck that connected to her first floor bedroom. While standing on the deck, she heard her son, Tim, on the house home's intercom system, calling to ask her what he should do. He used to be my 13-year-old, she explained to the police and said that she had told him to stay in the house and wait for firefighters to rescue to him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Crazy Why lady. would you like okay. Mm -mm. I'm um it's relevant but it's a babble but like as a parent mm -hmm. your house is obviously multiple stories and you just go outside and don't go get any of your children. None. You don't get I would be scooping my I would You wouldn't have set your house on fire. Yep. <laughs> We can't claim that she did that yet, but you're right. But like, even if it was a freak fire, like, uh, you, uh, how could Unless you not? Unless you did it on purpose. Yeah. 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 I know. So yeah, one hundred percent. As as a sane mother. Yeah. I know. You know. Yeah. As a mother who loves your children, me as well. You're going to, and even if they're not your children, even if like your children have friends Sleep over, over or yeah. whatever. You're going to make sure all the kids are safe. You're going to get your animals and your children out of that fucking house. Yes. Even your fucking goldfish. Like, you're going to know. Goldie's going to make it. You're goddamn right. Yep. And 
same. You don't say, hey, yeah, and you're upstairs? Because that's going to be harder to get the fuck out. I'd be like, so, you fucking jump into my goddamn arms and we'll deal with our broken bones because we're going to live the through that. If that. Yeah, if that had happened and I wasn't well, this lady who I'm assuming did all this. Yep. You're going to be screaming into that and get down here, get down here now. Or where are you? I'm coming. You're... Actually, you'd be running to your children. That's yep. what you'd you be doing. You wouldn't have been outside you'd be yelling running at him. to your children. There is no fucking way. And you'd go in that blaze of glory. Yup. <laughs> yup. Getting your babies. There, there's just, you, you, you have that superhuman strength, and there's no way. There's no fucking way. Yup. You just stand there and watch it fucking happen, or tell oh. them, just, just wait for the fire. No, 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 no. The, the fire department would have to hold my ass back. Yeah, there's really. There's no fucking way. So... Um, so she knocks on a neighbor's door to ask them to call 911. She returns to the house. She, she finds... asks for a glass of water. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Monster. <laughs> no! She returns to the house. She finds Kate, who had climbed through her second floor bedroom window on the roof of the home's garage. Green called to Kate to jump, and Kate landed safely on the ground in front of her mom. <sighs> in front of her mom? So her mom yeah, in front of... catcher? Nope. In what front of... It literally says in front of Green. Um, so detectives note that during her interview, Green did not appear to, to be or have been crying, and her manner was talkative, even cheerful. Sick. She repeatedly <laughs> referred to Tim and Kelly Ferrer in the past tense and referred to all of her children by their ages rather than their names. So she'd say, like, the 13-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 6-year-old. That's... What the fuck? Her accounts of time... I didn't... Uh, Nate, you threw me for a doozy here, man. Her accounts of times from the previous evening varied, and she seemed uncertain what time she had done things like gone to bed. She said it was between like 11 and 12, or 11 and 11.30. Right? Yeah. So at 5.30 a.m., a detective arrives from the fire scene to advise these those at the police station that Tim and Kelly had been found dead in the home. Mm-hmm. She, Deborah initially reacted with sadness that quickly changed to anger. She shouted at detectives, claiming that firefighters had not done enough to save the children. Bitch, neither did you. Well, she's got a she's got a point to blame somewhere. So. Uh, I know someone like that. Mm-hmm. Where previously she had been cooperative and friendly with the detectives interviewing her, she now began to attack them verbally, calling investigators and their methods pathetic, alleging that they had withheld her from um, the knowledge of the children's deaths. Mm-hmm. Children's whose name you wouldn't even fucking say, for one, you mm-hmm. fucking fuck. Mm-hmm. And demanding to be allowed to see Farrer and the remains of the family's house. Oh, yeah, she wants to make sure they're dead. Yeah. I think they uh, had... Okay. Yep. All right. So she stressed to the police that she wanted to be the one to tell my husband our babies are dead. Her request was <laughs> not granted. I'm fucking twat goblin. I fucking hit her. <laughs> uh. So she was released from the police station in the early morning of October 24th after questioning. The family... With the family home burned down, she had nowhere to stay. Farrah refused to let her stay in his apartment, but gave her some cash, and she rented a room in a local hotel. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, like, that's way too nice. Dollar and 13 cents. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Ellen Ryan, um, Green's divorce lawyer, found her there later in the day in a distraught state. She repeatedly asked Ryan whether her children had died, chanted rhythmically about their deaths, and seemed unable to care for herself. So she's starting to lose it a little bit. So she gets transported to a local hospital for treatment, but she remains emotionally unstable, suffering from insomnia and appearing to Ryan to be able to, oh, her lawyer, um, to be able to take care of day-to-day life even after her release from the hospital. I'm assuming Kate, who's the, the child who survived, thank God, um, I would assume was with 
her father. Um, so the police interviewed uh, Michael at 6.20 a.m., informing him immediately that the bodies of Tim and Kelly had been recovered. So he talks about the deterioration of his marriage and health over the past six months. In August of 1995, he had fallen ill with nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Hmm. He initially assumed it was a residual effect of the traveler's diarrhea many people on the Peru trip had contracted while there. Though he recovered from the initial bout of symptoms, he relapsed out about a week later and on August 18th, hey, that's my due date, mm-hmm. um, he was hospitalized with severe dehydration and fever. In She's the hospital, sorry, no. hey, hey, babbling away, babbling <laughs> with my conclusions. In the <laughs> hospital, he developed sepsis. Um, doctors identified Streptococcus ver- viridens. What? I don't even know what that is. It's a very big word. I don't think I I crushed it, and not in a good way. Which had probably leaked through damaged um, digestive tissue as a result of his severe diarrhea, as the source of the sepsis. However, they could not pinpoint the root of the gastrointestinal illness itself. So that's what it is. So his um, illness was severe and possibly life threatening. He eventually recovered and was re- released from the hospital on August 25th. So that's a week later. So that night, however, shortly after eating dinner, that Green served him. He again suffered vomiting and diarrhea and had to be hospitalized. A third bout of symptoms, symptoms, symptoms. I'm fine. Struck on September fourth, days after he was released from the hospital for the second time, basing their conclusions on the likelihood that the illness was related to the Peru trip. They narrowed down the possible. Causes for his gastro gastrointestinal issues to a handful, though none fitted his symptoms perfectly: typhoid fever, tropical sprue, or gluten sensitivity, enteropathy, enteropathy, enteropathy. That's okay. It's what gluten allergy. Yep, that. <laughs> so he noticed that each time he returned home from the hospital, he became ill again almost immediately, and he speculated that it had been due to the stress of his devo- dissolving marriage, or the change from a bland hospital diet to a normal home one, or you're being poisoned. Yep. Ugh! Oh, sorry, I jumped the conclusion. Hey. So when his girlfriend, remember, Margaret Hacker, told him she suspected Green was poisoning him, he initially what? wrote the idea. He wrote the idea off as ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, is it? My wife isn't insane or anything. She doesn't have all the fucking yep. signs. Yeah. So she was caring for him in the family home. Um, obviously, this is all before the fire. Um, while he recovered from his repeated bouts of illness, she was continuing to drink heavily. And increasingly often claiming to be contemplating sewer, sewer side. Yep. Yep. Fucking go drown yourself in a sewer. <laughs> sewer side. There we go. <laughs> or to want Mar- Margaret Hacker herself dead. So in late September, Ferrer searched the house and her belongings. In her purse, he discovered seed packets labored as castor beans. Labored? Labored. <laughs> Labeled. <laughs> La- I have read label and caster together. Labor. Labeled. A copy of supposedly anonymous. Un- oh my god, I want to go home. <laughs> anonymous letter that had been sent to Farrah urging him to not divorce Green in the empty vials of uh, potassium chloride. He removed all the items from her purse and hid them. Why would. So, castor bean seeds packets. An anonymous letter saying he should not divorce her and these potassium chloride vials. <laughs> and okay. why did he hide them? To prove it, I think. Okay, so hid them so oh, out of so she couldn't see them, so yep. he had a mess. Okay, I thought yeah. he was just like cops don't need to fight like no. no, no, no they do. So <laughs> the next day he asks her, um, 
who had no interest in gardening that he knew of what she had intended to do with the seeds. She initially claimed she was going to plant them when she pressed. She said that she intended to use them to commit suicide. So mm -hmm. she's drinking. Her drinking was, was really heavy that day, and her behavior grows stranger. He contacts the police for getting her into psychiatric care, which, I mean, that's really sweet of him, even though, okay. So he can, yeah, contact. So this is all after the children died? or this I'm is not, okay, two? the fire and the children were shaken. So this is, this had to be leading, this is prior to the fire, yep. I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah, because the fire was on, I think it was on October 24th, right? I'm pretty sure. 24th of the morning. Yep. So this is jumping backwards a little bit. This knows. I'm sorry. Sorry. But, um, where am I? Okay. I was like, I highlighted it. We're navigating. We're navigating. Yep, we're navigating back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, so, because it says him and the children were shaken about her bizarre behavior. Um, though Green did not seem to hold the police's presence against, not, okay, did not seem to hold the police's presence against them and gave them no resistance, she denied being suicidal and called him a bunch of obscenities. Post him out. But obscenities, it's fun to see. So she shows him that, or he shows the seed packets and other items he found in her purse the day before, and the police transport her to the nearby emergency room. The physician who attends to her there found her to be smelling strongly of alcohol, but she wasn't visibly drunk. But, I mean, if you start drinking enough, you just start smelling like it. Yeah, you're sweating that shit. Yep. yep. She was um, very unkempt. The doctor felt her demeanor was not unusual for someone going through a bitter divorce and noted that Green professed no desire to hurt herself or others when the doctor interviewed her privately. However, when he, uh, Michael comes to the hospital, or came into view in the hospital, her demeanor changed, just like that. According to the doctor, she spat at him, um, <laughs> called him obscene names. Uh, I lost my spot. Dang it. Peyton Tom, Peyton made it back to college. Good deal. And stated that you're going to get these kids over our dead bodies. Oof. Uh. So though Green, with some persuasion by the doctor, um, initially agreed to a voluntary commitment, she shortly thereafter left the ER without informing anyone. She was found hours later, having decided to walk home from the hospital and brought back to the hospital. She gained again. Um, she agreed then to a voluntary commitment to the Menninger Clinic in Topeka, Kansas. Okay, so that's I know where that's. I mean, that's capital of our state, so I should know where it is. So, while she's in treatment, she's diagnosed with major bipolar depression with suicidal mm. impulses and was placed on Prozac, Transine, tra Transine? Sure, and Klonopin. She returns home after four days in the hospital um, he, he, while she's gone. You know, this is all prior to her house burning down. Researched what, um, Michael researched what castor beans in the interim and came to the conclusion that Green had poisoned his food with ricin. That, had, that could be derived from the beans and moved out immediately upon her return home. So, now we're back to, um, said that, he said that the day of the fire, about a month after her last release from the hospital, he had taken the day off from work, the first day of what he intended to be a week-long vacation to recover some strength after restarting his job post-hospital. He had spent the afternoon with Margaret Hacker and then picked up Tim and Kelly for Tim's hockey game. <sighs> After dropping the children off back with their mom at 8.45, he had dinner with Hacker, leaving her around 11.15 in the evening. So, throughout the evening before the fire, October 23rd, a series of phone calls between Green and Ferrer escalated into a confrontation. Um, he was convinced that she was um, drinking heavily and that she should, ha when she should have been caring for her kids. He told Green that he knew she had poisoned him and the so that social services might be 
called to protect the children if she failed to get her life in order. Huh. So that's all happening before this fire happened. An hour, like an hour before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the last call between Green and Fair, he ends up watching TV alone in his apartment until about 12.30 when a neighbor's phone call alerts him to the fire at his um, estranged wife's house. So during his interview after the fire, his red eyes and trembling voice were apparent to the te- detectives. He stated that Green had been very concerned about money in the context of their impending divorce and that she may set fire to the house to garner an insurance payment, but that she had never given any indication of intending to harm her kids. Oh my gosh. So after his interview, um, he immediately files for divorce, finally, um, and for custody of Kate, who had been taken, who had been taken in by his parents while they dealt with the police and this whole fire business. A court later awarded temporary custody of Kate to his parents due to Green's instability and Kate's professed anger with her father, because you got to remember, right, her, mom, mom told her. her mom painted him to be this awful, awful person, so this sweet 10-year-old just lost her best friend's siblings, and she's like, I want to stay with my grandparents. So um, Deborah was allowed supervised access um, during this period while... Um, his uh, her father's visits were not required to be supervised. So when she wa- when Deborah wanted to visit Kate, she had to be supervised. Thank Christ for that. She yep. creepers. So Kate ends up getting the daughter. She's ten. Um, she ends up getting interviewed on October twenty sixth. She stated that on the night in question, she had woken up to the fire already That's burning. Two days later, right? Yeah. Yep. She um, saw smoke se- seeping in her room. She opened the bedroom door and called to her brother. Then closed the door and placed the hang up. Uh, placed the hang up 911 call that alerted the police. So she's the one who called 911. She crawls out of her bedroom window to escape the fire. She then reported to police that she had called to her mother after escaping onto the garage roof. Green had been terribly upset and called Kate to jump into her arms. Though uh, Green missed catching her daughter when she jumped, Kate jumped. She did not. She wasn't hurt. So I guess, okay, so that was a little misconstrued earlier just because this is from Kate's point of view and she's the only point of view I trust at this point. Um... So they ran into uh, Michael a few minutes later. Kate said that um, Michael had been accusatory towards Green, and Green had been crying and worried about her missing children in the house, but you told them to stay in the house. It's fine. Well, not um, Kelly, but whatever. So according to Kate, um, Farrah had moved out of the family home and um, spurned Green's desire for an amicable separation. Kate stressed that she loved and respected her mother and that all of the children had good relationships with her, but that she was angry at her father for upsetting her mother by leaving. Press, she acknowledged that her mother had began to drink a lot of alcohol and she denied that she had ever seen matches in the house and expressed um, surprise that Tim had not escaped by the same route she had, which was via a bedroom window onto the roof. But she obviously didn't hear or was already outside of the house. But well, he's talking on the, well, yeah. And, and the house intercom. I had a house intercom at a house that I lived in and depending on which buttons you hit, you can just go into certain rooms, but there are buttons where, like, as a mother... Yeah. If you can't get to your children, you hit that one intercom button where it goes to all rooms in the house that has the intercom, and you say, climb out of your bedroom window. Get yeah. out. You Jump. can't. Yeah. Or whatever. So she didn't do that shit. Obviously. I, I, why am I trying to give her credit? I know. Wait, saying that she's like a good mom or something. Because she's fucking not. Okay, it's fine. So, the Eastern Kansas Multi-Agency Task Force <sighs> was called to conduct an arson investigation on the Prairie Village House on October 24th. They were staffed by fire investigators and search teams from throughout the area that focused on determining the origin and cause of the fire. 
um, searching through the debris, debris for usable as evidence and interviewing witnesses. A dog trained to detect the scent of fire accelerants was also brought in to assist in searching the house. Um, the investigators ruled out a, a common, cause of, common cause of accidental fires, including electrical panels and furnaces. Um, they determined the basement level of the home which had the furnaces had not been the origin, though two small orphan fires okay. connected to the main burning had occurred in that area. Poor patterns were found on the ground and second floors, in indicating that a flammable liquid had been poured there and covered many areas of the ground floor, blocked off the stairway from the second floor to the ground floor, and covered much of the hallway on the second floor. The poor patterns stopped at the door of the housemaster's bedroom, but had soaked in the carpeting in the hallway leading to the children's bedrooms. Investigators c couldn't just, oh my god, investigators could not determine the precise liquid used as an accelerant, though they proved that a can of gasoline the family kept in a shed had not been used. The amount of accelerant was um, identified as between 3 and 10 U.S. gallons um, that had been used to have been poured, uh, which is 11 and 38 liters. Um, concluding that the fire was a result of arson, the investigators on October 26 called in a second task force. This was focused on homicide investigation. Mm. And then on the 27th, the district attorney for Johnson County was informed that the investigation was now criminal. And seeking to find who had set the fire to the home, investigators looked for mm -hmm. physical evidence of fire setting upon those who had been in the house. Um, they suspected that because of the use of accelerant, the fire may have flashed over at the point of ignition singed, and singed or burned the setter. So accordingly, they tested clothing worn by Farrah and Green that night and took samples of the hair of both. Neither Green nor Farrah's clothing showed evidence of having been in contact with accelerant. Farrah's hair had no, showed no sign of singeing because he wasn't there. Oh, well, I mean, I guess that they tried to place him at the scene. But Green's, which had been cut twice between the time of the fire and the police. Oh, how weird. Took hair samples from her showing, showed significant singeing. Huh. Detectives recalled that Green denied ever having been in close proximity to flames. She had reported leaving the house after seeing smoke and not coming into contact with fire either on the deck outside her bedroom or in the process of coaxing Kate off the garage roof. Neighbors of the family reported that Green had come to their door to ask them to call for help. Her hair had been wet. Though their suspicions pointed to Deb Green, investigators continued to receive tips attributing to the fire to any number of people and the investigation continued with no public statement about suspects when alerted to the possibility of michael had been poisoned in the months before this fire detectives investigated the origin of castor beans that led to police investigating the september domestic dispute the label on the seed packets identified them as the product of earl may chain of stores um, an officer found contact info for Olathe, Kansas, Earl May store and Green's address book. They had um, contacted the Earl May stores to find if any employees remembered selling castor beans, which are all out of season in the fall. Um, a clerk in Missouri recalled that in September a woman had ordered 10 packets of the seeds and explained she needed them for schoolwork. Mm. <laughs> so gave um, the clerk gives a description of the buyer corresponding to green and tentatively identified her in a photo lineup as the buyer so yeah so also well, thank god for the 90s back then you had to go in and order your shit you couldn't like do it right. online <laughs> and so since and then it talks about just more about the store and then um 
Michael had underwent surgery in November of 95 to treat an aneurysm that his doctors believe had been caused by the poisoning. Before the surgeries, he submitted blood samples to the crime lab to be tested for ricin antibodies. Wow. So, media reports in the first week of November of 95 suggest that the investigation had narrowed the field of suspects. <laughs> Should only be one. First to those initially fa- uh, intimately familiar with the home and later to one person. I spoke too soon. <laughs> Based on the trajectory of the police investigation, news reports in the following days speculated that the apparent poisoning of Michael Ferrer may have been linked to the case, but officials declined to name the suspected person in the arson or the poisoning. Hmm. Well, doesn't matter, because on November 22nd, Green was arrested in Kansas City, Missouri, shortly after dropping off her daughter for ballet practice. Though Glean... Glean? Okay. (laughs) Green's attorneys requested that, if arrested, she be allowed to turn herself in voluntarily. The police and district attorney felt her behavior was all too unpredictable and chose to arrest her without warning. Good. Bad ass. She was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of... Yeah, two counts of attempted first-degree murder, because Kate and then the poisoning, and one count of aggravated arson. In a press conference, district attorney Paul Morrison cited a domestic situation as the motive for her alleged crimes. She was initially held in Missouri jail, then extradited to Johnson County Adult Detention Center in Kansas, it's just so weird, on a $3 million bond, the highest bail ever asked for in Johnson County, for a woman, no less. Um, a pretrial show uh, caused hearing in the Green case began in January of 96. Where, um, she was represented by Dennis Moore and Kevin Moriarty. I think that's a fun name. Mm-hmm. Um, her defense claimed that the fire in the family home had not been set by Deb, but by her son, Tim Fair, who had been caught by local police setting off Molotov cocktails. Okay, yeah, blame it on a dead child. That's fine. That's right. And I guess they can't see whether his face was singed or not, but if the mother was all singed, so what What caused that? What, what was that reasoning? If you're going to go with that the son did it, mm-hmm. how was she singed if her story, if she claimed that she... Yeah, and then why on. was her hair wet? Yeah, come on now. So then the defense also attempted to attribute Ferrer's poisoning to Tim, who did much of the cooking in the household. They're blaming all of this on a fucking deceased child. Yep. Adults. Blaming this child because she's probably telling him, oh, well, you know, he did do a lot of the cooking. Oh, when, yeah. Ugh, Sick. So Michael Ferrer underwent surgery in December of 95 to treat an abscess in his brain caused by the poisoning. This poor man. Losing your kids. All of these surgeries. Oh, God, Michael. Oh, I feel for you, man. Um, Fearful that Ferrer would not survive the proceedings, knowing that his testimony was key to the case, prosecutors videotaped his testimony beforehand. Smart. Sad, but smart. Yeah. The surgery was successful. Okay. Woohoo. And he did testify in person. Hey mm-hmm. And recounted Green's problems with alcohol and the breakup of their marriage. She's under cross examination by Green's counsel, he admitted that both he and Green had contributed to the problems in the couple's marriage and that his relationship with his son had been so adversarial adversarial? Adversarial? Yes. Sure. There we go. That sometimes had come to blows, but that's because his mother was poisoning his brain just with her words. It's just right. fucking poison. So witnesses were called by the state, um, supported fares, and the prosecutor's earlier claims that police had been called to the home a month before the fire, that Green's behavior had been caused for concern all the time, at the time, all the time, mm-hmm. that's fine, that um, Fair turned to police and, and um, or turned into the police at the time to seed packets containing castor beans, the um, Earl May store clerk identifying Green was the purchaser of, you know, ten freaking packs of these specific seeds that and weren't in season. And she's not a school teacher, so... 
like, and she's not, she ain't got a green thumb, she's got a freaking nasty, ugly thumb. Yeah. Just wait till you see her face, like, So, medical evidence was presented um, that Farrah's illness had not fit neatly with the parameters of any known disease, but that it was presentation matched the symptoms of ricin poisoning. A FBI criminologist provided testimony that he had tested for ricin antibodies in Farrah's blood approximately two months after um, Farrah's last acute symptoms and found antibodies there in such large amount that he could definitely state that Farrah had been subjected to repeated exposures of ricin. We there's so much more. Holy moly. Okay. Good. Give um, us all the info. I'm lost. Give it to me. Okay. Um antibodies, exposures to rice. And a police officer testified that as the first responder to the fire scene in the early mornings of October twenty fourth, he had found Kate Farrer to be very frantic, worrying over her siblings, but Deb, you know, showed little to no emotion. Or concern, the defense argued that the psychiatric medication she had been taking since September, her September hospitalization, could cause blunted effect, which could have led police and fire personnel to erroneously, my God, report um, she was unemotional. So, arson investigators testified as to how they had located the origin and cause of the fire. You know, all over the freaking right, but not at her door, just at her kids. Okay. evidence that the fire had been set purposely and the patterns on the house's floors were evidence of a liquid accelerant having been used to start the fire living room floor had contained the most significant amount of this accelerant and the trail ended at the door of the master bedroom which had been open while the fire burned the state of the bedroom contradicted her uh, prior testimony to investigators that her bedroom door had been closed and she had only opened it briefly to look in the hallway so she kept it open the whole time probably to make sure her Probably your children burned. I'm fine. I'm fine. Sick. There's babies, children. Oh my god. Okay. So detectives spoke to both Green and Farrah the night of the fire, testified as to Green's unusual demeanor during their interview, and a videotape of the questioning was played, including Green's statements about having urged Tim to stay in the burning house and her references to her children in the past tense. Yeah. That in itself. Mm-hmm. So you can't then, blame that shit on medication. Come the fuck. Yeah, on. so the state ends up resting on January 31st, 1996 for this court proceeding. They move forward. Um, testimony, de- Defense testimony focused on the theory that Tim was angry at his father, set fire to the home. Friends of Tim's testified that he had a fascination with fire and that he had told his friend that he knew how to make bombs. A neighbor testified that she once caught Tim burning some grass in the neighbor's yard. A former nanny testified she had heard Tim speak about wanting his father dead and planning to burn down the family's house and had um, caught him multiple times or setting or with the implements to set fire. Um, on cross-examination, she admitted that she had not seen Tim for years and agreed that she had not reported his fascination with fire he to his parents, the neighbor, okay. um, when he had expressed it to her. So... That's what, then they moved to February 1st, um, they rest, and then her arraignment date was set for February 8th, and her trial was projected to start in summer. So the crime involved more, as the crime involved more than one victim, the prosecutors decided to request the death penalty when the case went to trial. When faced with this possibility, her defense team brought in Sean O'Brien, a representative of Missouri Anti-Capital Punishment Group, um, a series of legal maneuverings involving both sides took place in late winter and early spring of 1996. 
Defense attorneys requested that cameras be barred from her eventual trial, but the request was rejected. So you can look some of this stuff online. She was um, judged by court-appointed psychologists to be competent to stand trial and denied a reduction in bail. The presiding judge ruled that she would stand trial once for all of the charges against her rather than be tried separately on each. Oh, that's kind of cool. So her defense team took its own... To, uh, undertook its own investigation, hoping to just bleh, disprove state witnesses' testimony, identifying the fire as arson. Found the accelerant had indeed been used to stoke the fire, that a robe belonging to Green had been on the floor of the master bedroom, burned in a manner that indicated it had been worn while one of the unconnected fires was set. According to Green's divorce lawyer, Ellen Ryan, when confronted with this evidence, Green acknowledged having set the fire that destroyed her home, but denied any clear memory of the event. She continued to plead, claim that Tim had been the one who poisoned their father. Green agreed to plea on an Alfred plea of no contest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, so I want to know what Kate, right? That's yeah. the survivor. I yep. wonder I wonder if she... I can't even imagine her mental state what, being fed her whole life. Well, yep. up until then. Ten, right? So for ten years. Yes. Your father is this... this awful evil person and then you find out no it was actually my mom do you accept it yeah or 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 do you in your head not this is first yeah nope it had to have been tim then and then and and mom was good like mom that's just this i don't oh my gosh poisoning of the brain so yeah i hope she i hope she got a lot of help and i hope she's forgiven her dad and they healed together yes um so on april 13th the defense team notified district attorney paul morrison that green wished to plea risk to have a plea bargain april 17 the plea was made public when she appeared in court to plead no contest to five charges two counts of capital murder one of arson and two of attempted first degree murder um in exchange for avoiding the death penalty and then here i'm sorry i'm just thinking of this kate girl and then to be like you're so you're listening to this case maybe as you're older or whatever you're getting more maybe you yeah you're more curious about okay what the fuck really happened i want to know what was stated i want to know this that or the other and then you hear your mom fucking blaming your dead brother yeah fuck you mom and she told she told my brother to stay upstairs yeah like my views would change instantly oh my gosh so um to avoid the death penalty the no contest plea called for her to accept a prison sentence of a minimum of 40 years without the possibility of parole she denied being under the influence of any drugs, which would affect her judgment in making her plea or ability to understand the proceedings in which she was participating. So, um, the death of a child, any child, and under any circumstances is, is a terrible human tragedy. The death of these children under these circumstances is a tragedy almost too great to bear. It is nevertheless a tragedy that I must bear for the rest of my life, and one for which I, am, I also must bear responsibility. I'm, this is, she said this. Nothing that I can do or that can be done to me can bring my children back. In accepting the responsibility for this crime, I recognize that I must face and accept the punishment as judged by the court and must also face the sorrow of the loss of my children and the reality of my role in their deaths. That was an, um, yeah, excerpt. But are you facing it? Are you really? Or do you even care? Are you are you a sociopath and you have no fucking, I don't know. Yeah, that was part of her, um, uh, statement she said to the court, um, because she said to that she understood that the state had substantial evidence that she had caused her children's deaths 
and that her attorneys were prepared to provide evidence that she had not been in control of herself at the time and she was choosing not to contest the state's evidence and hope that in the end at the end of the case would allow her family especially her surviving daughter to begin to heal so in a press conference defense counsel Dennis Moore told reporters she is accepting responsibility for the crimes but said that I don't think she ever intended to kill her children I don't know it's just too suspicious that it stopped at her door but didn't stop at theirs yeah and then why would you tell your child to stay up there I just that part I don't so she was formally sentenced on May 30th 1996 following testimony by the psychologist who had adjudged her competency according to dr. Marilyn Hutchison green was immature and lacked the adult level ability to cope with emotion Green read another statement to the court and was formally sentenced to two concurrent 40-year prison sentences minus the 191 days she had already served. Um, she is currently still alive and serving her sentence at the Topeka Correctional Facility. And as of August of 2012, the Kansas Department of Corrections records show her earliest possible release date as November 21st, 2035, when she will be 84 years old. So, freaking moly. So here you guys go. Hey. Look at this fucking story. <laughs> Holy shit, Nate. Ooh. You really um I don't know how you come up or discover these. I mean, cases, thank you. That was a whopper. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I did know any I didn't know some, but like I didn't know the deaths ended up being her children when I cuz I took these notes a while back. So it was just like Holy shit balls! Like, I just couldn't imagine. Or I pray I never have to. Right. Oh, that—that's all you have to do is imagine. That's it. Yeah. I never have to go through it. Oh. Woof. Yeah. Well, that, so, that was a that was a heavy heavy hitter, and it was a long one. So there you guys go. <laughs> it's been a we've been given some shorter cases. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing a little bit better on note taking. Um, sometimes I feel it's not up to uh, what it could be. But I'm doing my best, and yeah. I hope you guys are happy. I am. <laughs> not after that story. You're not happy now. It's fine. Um, don't go light a candle and take a bath. Go uh, get a nice lantern. And <laughs> <laughs> but not a kerosene lantern. Yeah. Don't oh, do that. God. Bless it. Go get a flashlight <laughs> and just sit in your bathtub and drink some wine. Cause or just for... turn on your light, Nicole. What the fuck? <laughs> I wanted to have some ambiance or get some red and blue lights like my mom has some here LED in her lights. basement. Get some LED lights in your bathroom yes get some strobe lights you know make it a fucking party i don't yeah. care do anything but light a fire right now guys unless <laughs> it's controlled and it's safe yes oh my goodness and you're sane and sober and yeah but <laughs> um as always guys our uh intro sound is from fantasy and world music by the fikers on youtube go show them some love if you'd love to follow us on some social media our facebook page is bloody babbles podcast our Instagram is Bloody Babbles Podcast. Our uh, Twitter is Bloody Babbles. If you want to send us a story idea, um, you can slide into my DMs. Hey, um, and give me some suggestions. I'm pretty good about staying on that because um, nobody ever sends us a Gmail, which you can also do at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Send us some stories. Um, I know listener stories is a pretty cool one on a whole bunch of other podcasts, or if you guys know of cases you want to have covered, my this girl Courtney that I know talked about her stepbrothers or someone at the missing person's case. Ooh. 
So yeah, so that's been added to my list. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, I've got a list of so many suggestions, so I'm just trying keep to keep them coming. Keep, keep them coming. coming. Yes. Like it's it's gotten away from stories that I wanted to cover myself that I found when starting this podcast. Like literally haven't done a story that I've thought of since you guys have started <laughs> suggesting them because we want them to get in your ear holes ASAP as possible. Right. So, um, uh, I think that's going to be it. Um, hopefully maybe we'll have some you more You can review space. us, rate and review us. Yeah, rate. Apple Podcast, um, and then also podchaser.com slash bloody babbles podcast, um, if you want to donate to us, because I keep saying it, Patreon stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. I've got the notes. Um, it's going to be a lot easier because me and Shauna will be living in the same town very soon, Woo-hoo! so it'll be a lot easier to get together and um, record, so... Yes. Because I want to do, like, some Patreon stuff, video, so you can see our gorgeous faces. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to have to make do our, our makeup. And do stuff. our makeup and not yeah. wear a mask. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've worn lipstick in so long. I need yeah. to do it just for you guys. <laughs> um, and I'll probably be in my mom's really fancy uh, Chicago Cubs basement. So if you don't like the Cubs, I'm so sorry. But that's what we've got to deal with as background. So. Yeah, it is what it is. But um, until next time, Babylonians. Babylon. Babylon. Hey, this is Mark Jolliffe, a.k.a. DJ Soundwave, host of the Infinite Banter podcast. want to welcome everybody listening to come check out my show, Infinite Banter. The topics are infinite, and I'll banter about anything from hip-hop music to TV to movies, wrestling, comic books. You name it, I've talked about it on this show. I've had guests like Kurokski from the Fat Boys and underground hip-hop acts like Dirt Platoon on the show. I've also had actor Joshua Michael from The Walking Dead, Tommy McLaughlin, director of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, as well as independent wrestlers like Shaza McKenzie and Roxy, and legendary wrestlers like B. Brian Blair have all been on the show. So come check out Infinite Banter, where I'll talk about anything from TV to comic books to wrestling to hip-hop music. Listen to the show on all digital platforms, specifically Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Everywhere you hear podcasts, you'll hear the show Infinite Banter. So come check me out, the Infinite Banter Podcast.